If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans. I'm Matt Lombardo alongside Ryan Dunleavy, and we are here live from the Quest Diagnostic Training Center. And this, of course, is the Talk is Cheap podcast, episode 123. Ryan, you might have heard there's a big NFL draft on Thursday. People might not have heard today was the first day of Giants minicamp and our first practice watching the Pat Shermer-led New York Giants. Yeah, I, I did hear something about a draft, something about a mock draft, something about uh, two round mock drafts and seven o- round only mock drafts. But uh, I think that'll be what, Matt, like 85 percent of this show, probably. But uh, you got to talk about the Giants taking the field today, which uh, is like a sign that football is back. The first time you and I have uh, been on the sideline watching the Giants practice, which was fun. Yep, and I think that today, and we're going to really dive into the NFL draft, what the Giants will do at number two. Will they pick at number two? Who are some options later on in the draft for positions of need? And then, of course, dive into some scenarios and how things could play off at the top. But I think we, before we get into the draft, Ryan, and, and I think that you summed it up perfectly, we kind of have to get into what happened on Tuesday, on day one of the minicamp, because this day was just as much about who wasn't here as it was the guys that were on the field. Odell Beckham Jr. was in the building. Pat Shermer talked about the relationship that he's starting to develop with Odell. But you wrote about this on the site. Two notable players, one on offense, one on defense, were no-shows. And it's not a good look for either one of these two with a new coaching staff rolling through town. Yeah, Eric Flowers wasn't here. He hasn't been here. He's the only player on the Giants of the 76 on the roster who hasn't been here for any of the voluntary portion of the offseason program. That's obviously the Giants' a report today from NFL Network. The Giants are trying to trade him. That's no surprise to anybody. I wrote in February what the, uh, list of things I thought the Giants could get for him. So, I mean, I think anybody knows that Eric Flowers is not in good standing in this organization and probably getting worse by the day. And joining him in a conversation is not where any Anybody wants to be, especially uh, all pro caliber player like Damon Harrison, who was not here. Uh, He showed up for the first day of uh, voluntary workouts on April 9th. But I've heard he has not been here much since then, uh, if at all. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting choice by Snacks Harrison, a guy who should be a leader of this defense. Uh, Olivier Vernon, who missed most of the voluntary portion of last season's offseason program, made it pretty clear 
in his explaining his own reasoning for being here, why he decided to show up, all the newness, the new scheme, the new coaches, get to learn everybody, learn the plays, uh, learn his responsibilities, learn the people. And he wasn't talking about snacks, but you got to think the same thing would apply to snacks. They're both third year guys on huge contracts. So you would, they're in pretty similar boat. And uh, you would think that they both, if one's here, the other should be here. Yeah, and you would think, Ryan, looking back to last year, just talking about Snacks Harrison, this was a locker room that was in tatters. You had, you know, the entire secondary, three starting corners. They had to be, they were suspended for a year. You had Dominique Rogers Cromartie, who, of course, is no longer here, go AWOL. This was a locker room that was pointing fingers at each other, pointing fingers at the coaching staff. And Snack Harrison, you think, would be a guy who would step up and be a leader. And leaders show up on the first day of voluntary minicamp. And when it comes to Eric Flowers, when the Giants signed Nate Solder and made him the highest paid offensive lineman, they didn't exactly sound an optimistic tone or one of patience about the transition of moving Eric Flowers from left tackle to right tackle. And the fact that he hasn't been here, it really leads you to believe that they are not only trying to move him on Thursday night, but even if they can't trade him during the draft, it's becoming more and more difficult to imagine him assimilating himself back into this locker room and back around this new staff. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know that we'll see Eric Flowers in East Rutherford again. I, I, I don't think he'll be back in that locker room. But you mentioned leadership. And listen, you and I have covered enough football to know that you have to do more than say you're a leader or you have to do. Sometimes we don't even know who the leaders are. Sometimes guys are doing stuff behind the scenes that we don't even know. So um, sometimes guys say they're leaders and they're not. Sometimes guys don't say they are and they are. But uh, I, I thought the quote of the day today was from Janoris Jenkins. And if you want to talk about somebody who's trying to sound like a leader, I thought it was Janoris Jenkins, who basically referred to himself in the third person nickname, which I don't know if there's anything cooler than that, and said that basically Jack Rabbit promises all that stuff from last year is gone. And he was obviously referring to uh, the Giants infighting, the teammates criticizing the coach. and That was great. He said, said, I promise that. Jack Rabbit promises that whatever happened last year, that won't happen this year. There won't be any animosity between players, won't be any disrespecting the coach. Whatever he says goes, New York Giants football is back. That was a minicamp. Yeah, that's a leader. uh, And listen, Janoris wasn't a leader last year. He obviously was one of the players who got suspended and, you know, he's owning the clean slate. So that sounded like a leader to me. I think if you're a Giants fan, you're bummed Flowers isn't in here. You're bummed Harrison isn't here, but you'll love that Jenkins quote. Yep, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the NFL draft. We're also going to take some of the questions from readers and listeners on Twitter uh, at the talk at Talk is Cheap NYG. Ryan's at Ryan Dunleavy, and I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. One of the questions that I'll throw to you, Ryan, um, because I know you wrote about this earlier in the offseason, it comes in from Neil Gandhi at Neil G831. What compensation could Giants fans expect in a possible Flowers trade? What could they get back, Ryan, if they were able to? deal flowers over the weekend so the best way i think you look at these things matt is you look at comparables right and you look like i we'll get to the nfl draft trades in a bit but like whenever i'm trying to figure out a trade scenario for the giants i look what have teams in other positions done and to my surprise there have been five left uh, five offensive linemen who were picked in the first round since 2011 who have been traded before their rookie contract ended that seems like a lot to me i don't know so um 
Most recently was Greg Robinson, the bust, former number two pick of the Rams in 2014, got traded last year uh, to the Lions for a sixth round pick, and the Lions end up waiving him. Uh, Lankin Tomlinson, a guy who was picked in the same draft as Flowers a couple years uh, like about maybe 20 picks after Flowers got traded last year. The Giants essentially are looking at a fifth or a sixth round pick uh, if they want to trade yeah. Flowers. If, if, if anybody will take Flowers, they're looking at a fifth or a sixth round pick, which isn't a great return, obviously, on the number nine overall pick from a few years ago. You're basically trading a first round pick for a sixth round pick f- four years later. Uh, but it obviously clears up a headache. It sends a, a message to the rest of the team. And one thing I think it does, Matt, I think this is is interesting and i pointed this out today if you trade flowers for another pick the giants have six picks and none after the fifth round so if you get a sixth rounder for flowers or you get a seventh rounder for flowers maybe you use that pick to take a chance on a developmental offensive lineman who otherwise you would have to get as an undrafted free agent who maybe he gets drafted by somebody else you're not having a pick in the sixth and the seventh round is nothing to sneeze at so maybe you get to take a chance on a guy here who you hope can find something that you don't have to wait, wait and cross your fingers that he's undrafted. But the thing I think it does more than anything, Matt, I think it gives Dave Gettleman, who's aggressive in drafts, he likes to trade up. I think it gives him a little bit more um, of a cushion if he wants to trade up. Yep. If he wants to trade a third or he wants to trade a fourth to move up it back into the back half of the first round or into the middle of the second round, it gives him a little leeway because now he's not down to five picks. If he trades flowers for a pick, then he still has six. So no, I agree. The, and what the, I think it also does, Ryan, is I think that it also prioritizes the offensive line over the weekend. And they we're, we're going to talk about the draft, and they could certainly move back and take Quentin Nelson in the first round and, and really get an anchor for the line. But I, I think that there are other ways and other directions they're going to go in with the number two pick. But I think that if they trade Flowers, and even if they don't at this point, given the fact that he hasn't shown up to any of these workouts or any of these practices – I think it means they're going to go offensive line at 34 and maybe even again throughout the course of the draft. And from people that I've talked to around the league and Mark Eckel, our former colleague who covered the Eagles for NJ.com and for the Star Ledger and for uh, the South Jersey Times, we, we both have been in contact with agents and personnel people around the league and some names to watch. Austin Corbett out of Nevada and TCU's Joe Noteboom. And a guy that I really like is Oregon's Tyrell Crosby. These guys are all swing guard tackle types they can fill in at guard they can kick out and play tackle if need be opposite Nate Solder but whether Flowers is on this roster or not on Thursday night Ryan I think they have to go offensive line early and they might have to go offensive line often given what we've saw take the field on Tuesday during practice and the uncertainty surrounding Flowers situation yeah I agree I, I think offensive line is um is certainly a top priority need uh if you're looking at the 34th pick i think uh you're probably looking at an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman in that spot and then probably whichever one you don't take at offensive line or defensive line you're probably looking at that guy either at pick number 66 or pick number 69 the giants have both of those Uh, i think you're probably looking at filling offensive line uh Maybe, you know what, Matt? That I just named three picks, 34, 66, 69. Don't be surprised if the Giants use two of those on linemen, maybe a guard and maybe a tackle. One thing we saw today is 
veteran uh, guard, John Jerry, was bumped down to the second team offensive line. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, John Jalapio, who had a good uh, year, kind of a nice surprise for the Giants in a miserable 2017. He was with the first team at guard today. Uh, that obviously could hold if, uh, you know, he's impressed Shermer so far. But uh, that's another spot the Giants could look for a possible new starter uh, at that guard spot um, moving forward. All right, Ryan, let's jump right into this thing here, because Thursday night it begins. The Giants are on the clock as it stands now with the number two overall pick. Everybody's familiar with the names by now. Penn State running back Saquon Barkley, USC quarterback Sam Darnold. You have NC State defensive end Bradley Chubb. Then there's Josh Allen floating out there. There's Josh Rosen sitting out there. Baker Mayfield is getting a lot of buzz with the number one overall pick or potentially going as high as two or three to the Giants or Jets. Um, as it stands right now, if the Giants went on the clock today, who do you believe Dave Gettleman's pick will be? Uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, yep. Saquon Barkley. Yep, I, 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 I just, listen, the way, it, there's just too many things. And I'll give Gettleman credit. He's had a good poker face. So if he surprises me, he surprises me. But there's just too many things. The way they talk about Barkley as a future Hall of Famer, the way that they oh, the only thing they did in free agency at running back was sign Jonathan Stewart, who had like a 45 carry day today in practice, by the way. Um, but that's the only thing they did was sign a 30 year old running back who I think was brought in mostly for his leadership. Um, there's just too many different, uh, you know, the win now mode they seem to be in. There's just too many things that tell me the way they talk about Barkley as a guy who can help the team, not only as a running back, but as a pass catcher and a returner and a pass blocker. There's just too many things to me that say it's going to be Saquon Barkley. If the, you know, uh, if the Browns pick Sam Darnold, which I think they should. And I think we'll get to a curveball the Browns could throw, but right now I would yep. think. I would think right now, sitting in my car in East Rutherford, I think it's Darnold one, Barkley two. No, I agree. And I think that when you look at Saquon Barkley and you watch the tape and you look at the fact that he can be a guy who's going to be a home run threat every time he touches the football as a ball carrier. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He does all of the unselfish things in terms of pass protection and pass blocking and all of those things. And you just think about the Giants offense and you look at what Minnesota did with Jarek McKinnon a year ago. Saquon Barkley is Jarek McKinnon on steroids in terms of that type of quarterback and certainly I, I think he compares very favorably to a Barry Sanders type or that he might be the most complete prospect since Adrian See, Peterson I think he just does it all but I, I, I think that when you look at him as a player and you look at the Giants offense if you can spread teams out and you can have Evan Ingram on the field with Odell Beckham Jr. and you can look at Sterling Shepard in the slot maybe you still put a guy like Jonathan Stewart in the backfield and you hide Barkley as a slot receiver where you can bring him in motion and hand him the football or throw it to him as a slot receiver, the possibilities are limitless there. And I think it really stretches an opposing defense out really thin in a league where that seems to be the MO offense is spreading wide and attacking open space against the defense. And Barkley gives you the opportunity to do that while also alleviating pressure off Eli Manning. I got to say something here because 
there is a little bit to, and I, I anybody who's followed my career is going to take this as me ripping Saquon Barkley again, which it isn't because I didn't rip him the first time and I'm not ripping him now, but we have to be balanced here. Right. And the one thing, and maybe you want to debate me on this, Matt, because you follow Penn state football probably as close as I did covering Rutgers. And the one thing I'll point out is Saquon Barkley has played 38 games at Penn state. He only had 15 100-yard games. Now, some of those 100-yard games were 200-yard games. I think he had 694-yard games. So when he was good, he was spectacular. But there were also games where he was a pretty much a non-factor in the games, uh, especially as a running get back. And like I said, that's where some of the other things come in where, you know, when he doesn't rush for 100, he has more than 120 from scrimmage when you count his passing yards. So that's, you know, can be a little deceptive. But he also was a guy who had a lot of negative and zero carry runs. And I know yep. you're probably going to tell me Penn State's offensive line wasn't very good. But it is if, if you're looking, this is what people do, right, at this time of year. You look for the flaws. It's why yep. Sam Darnold, who I think is a tremendous quarterback, it's why people are talking about his turnovers or his throwing motion or his, you know, he's too young. He can't even have a drink yet in public. Like, it's what we do. We pick people apart. And no one seems to want to pick apart Saquon Barkley. And I'm fascinated by it. Well, it's I, like, no, again, I don't no think it's that nobody that. wants. No one mentions it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's nobody wants to pick apart Saquon Barkley. But I will say this. If there was one unit on the Penn State roster that was damaged the most by the sanctions from the Jerry Sandusky scandal, it was the offensive line. And you look at the group that they're bringing into spring practices this year, this is the first time that they've had even an average to above average yeah. offensive line. And Barkley has been running behind subpar lines in the Big yeah. Ten against Big Ten competition. So I think you put him in an NFL offense behind an NFL offensive line. Not I that the Giants that's... offensive line is great. Let's not. No, I, I agree. I, I agree with that. But I think that when you look at some of those negative plays and you look at some of the, the games where he failed to rush for 100 yards, as you pointed out, he was a contributor in other areas, such as as a pass catcher, which in the NFL, the teams that are successful throw the ball to their running backs as much as they have them run it. But you look at what he was able to do despite that offensive line and his ability to make people miss in the open field, the start and stop acceleration out of his cuts, all his elusiveness, all of those things to make I would make him a complete back. And I think that those those negative plays are far more due to the lackluster offensive line play because yeah. let's face it, they just didn't have the bodies or the depth of the talent there than they were anything <laughs> they about were, him as a player. They were still an eleven and two or a ten and three team. So it's yeah. not like the, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I listen, I think Barkley's tremendous, but the the it seems like the hype train has gotten a little out of control is all I'm saying. I mean, it's to the point now where Saquon Barkley could make four or five Pro Bowls and feel like a disappointment. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's play out a scenario here because we both think the Giants are taking Barkley. I did a, a radio mock draft earlier today where beat writers from every team made the selection for the team they cover. And I think it's a really fascinating exercise, particularly at the top of the draft. And it was Mary Kay Cavett of Cleveland.com, our colleague in the advanced family, making the pick for the Browns. And she had Cleveland taking Josh Allen. And that really left me in an interesting spot because everything that I've heard from talking to evaluators around the league and people that you and I talk to in league circles, Ryan, it's kind of the, the impression I have. And let me know if you disagree with this. The impression I have is that if Sam Darnold is on the clock for the Giants, He's the quarterback that Dave Gettleman likely feels most comfortable 
pinning as a franchise quarterback and ultimately taking. So under this scenario with Josh Allen going first, I pegged Sam Darnold to the Giants getting a quarterback because as much as I believe Saquon Barkley is a transcendent talent and a generational player at the running back position, I don't know how if you have your guy, your quarterback who you believe can be your franchise quarterback for up to a decade, I don't know how you pass on that. And if the Browns go Allen, I think there's a legitimate chance that the Giants go Darnold at number two on Thursday. I think that that is... Dave Gettleman's win-win-lose-lose situation because he joked the other day he likes to get his pick in in 28 seconds to show some conviction. He knows who he wants. Why waste the time? Uh, That could be one where he uses all, I don't even know, what do they have now, Matt? 15 minutes, 10 minutes? Yeah, I think it's 10 minutes. It used to be like a half an hour. Yeah. yeah, that could be one where he uses his whole time because that I think he would. Yeah, the joke I made the other day is like this is why chocolate and vanilla swirl ice cream was created because <laughs> you couldn't pick between oh, I love chocolate. Well, I love vanilla. Well, now you can have them both. Well, that that's kind of how I think they have to look at it. Like they're two favorites, Barkley and uh, Darnold. It would almost be like if they the Browns would be doing them a favor by picking one of those two guys because it would make their choice easier if they have. If the Browns go Allen or now there's even rumors, I don't know if it was Adam Schefter or somebody tweeted this morning that Mayfield is in the mix. Like if the Browns throw that kind of Brownsy curveball, uh, then I think the Giants will feel lucky because they'll have a uh, abundance of options. But it also will leave to a lot of second guessing for the next 10 years if they screw it up. No, I agree. Um, so, so let's say they're both on on the board. Let's say that the Browns under this scenario go Mayfield or Allen. Do you still think they pick Barkley or do you think that they wind up taking Sam Darnold out of USC and pegging him as Eli Manning's ultimate successor? Uh, so my mock draft this morning on NJ.com played out this way. I gave the Browns Josh Allen with the number one pick, and I sat there and I said, who do I give the Giants? And I gave the Giants Saquon Barkley because, like I said five minutes ago, I, I just think the love for Saquon Barkley in this building is out of this world. So um, I gave them Barkley, and I think I think the Jets will be the team running up in 28 seconds celebrating Sam Darnold falling to them at number three. And here's another scenario that I think is potentially possible on Thursday, and it's a trade down. And the question comes from Joe Smith at Giants fan in D.C. He says, how far would the Giants move? How far would you move down if you were the Giants? How much would it take for someone to move up? And I don't know about you, Ryan. I don't know that I would move much further than number five with the Denver Broncos, because I think once these quarterbacks go off the board and there are only so many quarterbacks, when you're talking about Allen and Darnold and Mayfield and Rosen, if you're not gunning for a quarterback at number two, I think that you would be you know, doing yourself a great disservice if you're the Giants by not coming away with Barkley, Nelson, or Chubb. And there's a chance that if there's a team such as Denver wanting to assure themselves one of the quarterbacks, you would still have your shot at two of the three sitting there at number five. So if I'm Dave Gettleman, I'm not moving anywhere below number five because you only pick at this 
this juncture, this high in the board so often, and you only get so many cracks at a potential Hall of Fame blue chip player. And that's what I believe Barkley, Nelson, and maybe even Chubb have the chance to be. So I don't think that you get too cute with this. I don't think you follow the Cleveland Browns blueprint of accumulating present and future picks. If you're not taking a quarterback and you can snag a top five pick and maybe a second round selection, then I think that you can feel comfortable moving back. But I'm not dropping out of the top five. So I think I've probably, if I have a niche in my first three months on the Giants, Pete, it's that I'm trade down guy. I think I've spent probably as much time as anybody looking into trade down possibilities for the Giants. Uh, I've done multiple stories on it. I asked Gettleman about it. Uh, I've asked, um, you know, former GMs and scouting directors about it. What would they do? I've written all the stories. Um, This has been your beat. This, this has been your trade, I'm the trade down guy. That's my thing. So um, here's how I feel about it. If somebody's going to load up your draft for the next couple years, if the Bills are going to give you, I don't know, three first round picks for the, and you have to move down to 12, well, then I would probably do that. If you're talking about just a short term scenario, um, then no, I would probably, I'm with you. I wouldn't move down to an area where I couldn't get. Um, one of the players you mentioned, either Barkley, Nelson, or Chubb. I think those are the three guys you got to cut. If you're not picking a quarterback, you got to come away with one of those three guys. But you said five, Matt. I don't agree. I think you could probably, let's say the four quarterbacks, Mayfield, Rosen, Allen, and uh, Darnold all go high. And then you're talking about three guys you want, Nelson, Chubb, and Barkley. So that's seven. So feasibly, you should be able to trade down a seven and get one of those guys. Now, look, who, the thing that somebody jumps you for a guy like Nelson or jumps you for a guy like Chubb, well, because I, I, just, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that you're many people are going to trade up for a running back as great as Saquon Barkley has the chance to be. But you might trade back and then a team jumps in front of you to take. Nelson or take Chubb, which if you look at the blueprint of the Eagles last year, building dominance along the offensive and defensive lines, if the Giants are zeroing in on one of those two guys, I think that you you have a really hard time moving too far back and opening yourself up to other teams trading up and jumping you even after trades to get the quarterbacks out of the way get made. But again, if you if you're talking about trades to get the quarterbacks, that's four quarterbacks and three guys. So you literally, unless my math is bad, as you there's seven players, you have to be able to get one of them at yep. number seven. That's probably the lowest I would go. Um, the one thing that's unique about this draft is the teams that are six through ten, the Bears, the Buccaneers, the 49ers, um, the Colts, and the Raiders all have young franchise quarterbacks. So those teams aren't looking to trade up. If it was a normal draft where bad teams don't have a quarterback, then I would say you could trade back to seven or eight because those teams are going to trade up and pick a quarterback. The problem with this draft is outside, once you leave five, which you made a good case for trading with the Broncos, you probably have to go to 12. And at that point, you're not going to get Barkley or Nelson. So, um, I wouldn't trade out of the top seven probably unless 
the Bills blew me away, then maybe I would trade down to 12 and take Roquan Smith. I did a big thing last week on 11 guys the Giants could take in trade down scenarios. I tried to pick a guy in each range, a guy at, you know, picks 6 through 10, picks 10 through 13, picks 14 through 16. Roquan Smith at 12 would make sense for the Giants. One I mean, thing I'll Roquan say is I Smith about- is the type of player that we're going to look back on, in my opinion, Ryan, in five years, and we're going to say that even though the hype train leading up to the NFL draft has him as the number one overall linebacker in this class, which I agree. I think he's the best linebacker. I think he's a leader. I think there's a chance he might wind up being the best defensive player to come out of this class. So I I don't think the Giants would wind up with Smith and feel anything but great about it at number 12. But I I don't know that linebacker is as big a need as, say, running back or offensive line or defensive line. So if you're trying to build a centerpiece that keeps you in contention relatively so for this year, but it fills a bigger need for the next five to ten years, I I don't know that Roquan Smith fits what the Giants are trying to do as much as I love him. Yeah, except if you're getting two more first rounders for him, then then he all of a sudden he sounds pretty nice. Uh, Two things I want to point out. One. A popular trade scenario in mock drafts. You, uh, I'll point out one. You tell me what you think about it. Then I'll get to my second point. Uh, popular mock draft scenario is the Giants trading down with the Patriots, who rumor has it want to get up to get one of these quarterbacks to replace Tom Brady eventually. That would involve trading to 23 and 31, the Patriots' two first-round picks. No way do I nope, do that. Not, not a chance because, okay. like we talked about, you're only up in the top five picks yes. of the draft so often, unless you're the Cleveland Browns or unless you're an organization that just can't get out of its own way. Yes. That no historically way. hasn't been the Giants' MO, and I really don't think they're that far off. I picked them to go 10 and 6 for crying out loud. So I, yes. I don't think they're that far off from being a competitive football team. So you're doing yourself no favors for the short or long term by pretending that you get value getting the 21 and the 31st pick. To me, there's no value whatsoever and you're the Giants from moving out of two and falling that far down the board. Correct. One other thing I want to point out, and this goes in with the Roquan Smith thing, is I talked to Gil Brandt, who's kind of like the godfather of scouting in the NFL draft. And I talked to Phil Savage, the former Browns GM, and Lewis Riddick, who interviewed to be the Giants GM, and asked them about trade down scenarios. And one thing they said that was interesting, this goes with the Smith thing, is the 2011 draft had a lot of really good players going like the teens. And the reason is because teams jumped up and picked quarterbacks like Blaine Gabbert and uh, Jake Locker and all these guys that made other really good players fall. So they they pushes them down the board because teams go up and they move up and they pay a premium for quarterbacks, even if the quarterbacks might not be uh, you might not be getting a cornerstone quarterback teams take chances on quarterbacks more so than other positions. And it causes quality players to, to be pushed down the board. Exactly. So even if these quarterbacks are much better than those quarter, those quarterbacks obviously ended up being bust, Scabber, Ponder, and Lock, Lock, Locker. But even if those these quarterbacks end up being good, that's still going to happen where guys are going to fall down. So maybe in a trade, maybe that makes a trade down more attractive where Roquan Smith's probably a top seven player you get at 12 or yep. Der- Derwin James is a t- the safety from Florida State's a top 10 player you get at 16 something like that there's just something to keep I'm not saying I would do it but it's something to keep in mind for the Giants if they do trade down all right what's scenario number two um so oh I the other thing I wanted to bring up is that well there are a couple things I want to bring up um let me the reason that and if you're a Giants fan and you're like why do people keep mentioning us trading with the Browns and the Bills 
um, it's because those two teams have the most picks, right? The Browns have five pick. The Browns and Bills both have five picks of the top 65 picks. So they have the assets. They're looking. They have the assets to trade up. They're looking for a partner. The, the Browns Giants, have four in the top 35. Four in the top 35, five in the top 65. The Bills have five in the top 65. How about the, let me throw two things at you, Matt? Would you trade to, to four if the Browns wanted uh, to? If the Browns wanted to give you you know, an extra second round pick, one extra second round pick to move from two to four, would you do it? I would probably need both of those second round picks. I would need 33 and 35 because really? here's the, th- I would here's the thing. If I'm John Dorsey, I hang up on you. Yeah, I, I know, but, but see, if I'm the Giants, you, you have to believe that they're moving up to get Saquon Barkley, correct? Yep. To pair yep. Barkley yep. with either Allen or Darnold. Right. And I think that if the Giants are as high on Saquon Barkley as Dave Gettleman and everybody that you talk to sound as if they are, I'm making Cleveland pay through the nose or I'm saying I'm going to feel content to draft my guy and take him okay. at number two. So to me... While one extra second round pick is nice and having two picks potentially, which will be back to back would be great. I think I'd want all three because then I could have potentially a second round pick and package two of those second rounders to get back into the middle of the first to come away with pick number four, pick number, let's say 21, and then pick number 35. One sentence. What if I told you they could do... Okay, so we're um, so now I'm Dorsey or Gettleman, right? We're, we've taken on the roles. All yep. right, all right, Dave. No, sorry, I'm not giving you 33 and 35 to move back from two to four. You're nuts. That's crazy. I'm gonna hang up on you. But before I hang up on you, I'll give you either 33 or 35, one or the other, and 65, the first pick of the third round. I'm not giving you my two seconds, but I'll give you one second and one third to Done. move from two to four. Done. Done. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, uh, because because then, then, if, then, then if I'm Dave, if I'm Dave Gettleman at that point, I can up. either have two picks at the top of the of the second round, right, yeah. or at the very top, potentially even pick number thirty three, or if it's mm-hmm. pick number thirty five, you give me, yeah. you know, pick thirty. I can have pick thirty four and thirty five to start the night, or. I can package a second and a third round pick to get into the mid twenties and come away with two first rounders and one pick in the second. And I think to me, that gives you a lot of options and you're still picking um, at number four. Okay. Uh, uh, Yeah. And then you're taking Chubb, I imagine, right? Right. Either Chubb or probably Quentin Nelson. Okay. Uh, here's the other scenario I want to make, and I've written this a million times. I, I, I'm, I might take bows. I might take a victory lap around this facility if this happens. I really like the idea of trade, and I mentioned it earlier in this podcast when I was talking about trading flowers. I really like the this class. The Giants need offensive linemen. This class has a bunch of offensive linemen that are going to go between 20 and 35. So the Giants are at 34. Do you take like the last guy of those? Or do you have some conviction, to use a Gettleman word, and do you trade up into 26 with the Falcons or 30 with the Vikings, which is what I think I did in my mock draft today, or 28 with the Steelers? One of those teams, 
uh, you're not going to trade with the Eagles, obviously, but one of those teams in the late 20s who already has a playoff team, who doesn't have a pressing need, who is might be willing to trade back and get an extra pick for their depth. Uh, Do you trade up and go after your guy? And I don't know who the guy is. I think it's probably Will Hernandez, the guard from UTEP, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. Maybe it's uh, Colton Miller, the guy who can play left tackle or right tackle from UCLA. Um, Do you do that? And uh, to me, I would do that. I don't know if you would, but the going rate, like I said, with Flowers, I do a lot of going rate kind of research. The going rate is to move from 32 to 29 or to move from 34 to 30 is a fourth round pick. If that's what it's costing me to move up four spots at that point and get the guy I want versus like the second or third guy I want, I do that. What about you? I think it all depends on the board because I'm with you. I've heard, as you have, that Will Hernandez is high on their board. I've also heard that they like Tyrell Crosby out of Oregon a lot, and they like his position versatility, that he can play either tackle spot. He's dependable, no real injury history to worry about, can play guard, can play tackle. If there is a noticeable difference in how they view Will Hernandez versus Tyrell Crosby, then I go up and get Will Hernandez. But if if they have them on their vertical and horizontal, horizontal board and horizontally they're they're even neck and neck then I think I preserve the asset I take Crosby at 34 or maybe Hernandez slides to them at 34 and I don't give up future picks later in this draft to go up and get him but if there's a clear difference and you believe that Isaiah Wynn is the second best guard in this class or you believe that Mike McGlinchey is the best tackle and you just have to have him or if you think Connor Williams is a guy that you can get in 26 to 28 but he can start for you immediately at right tackle and you have them with better grades than Wynn or than Crosby then go get your guy yeah yeah, that's interesting. Some other things I think the Giants, I think they need, if they don't pick Barkley, they need to come away with a running back somewhere in on day two. Yep. If, if they uh, do pick Barkley, then I think you're looking at offensive line, defensive line, linebacker as day two needs. I think day two is fascinating just because the Giants have that extra third round pick because they'll pick 66 and 69. And any of you guys who are familiar with what Matt and I do know, we pump out as much content as at probably any NFL beat uh, tandem anywhere. Uh, that turnaround is going to be quick, Matt. We're going to be doing five things to know about the number 66 pick and the Giants are going to be back on the clock. Yeah, no, I agree. I look at the the day two picks that the Giants have, and I think that you can fill a number of needs. I think that they could still uh, benefit from adding another wide receiver. I That's think that you point. look at a guy like Anthony Miller out of Memphis, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, you look at some later options, uh, Thomas Owens, probably an early day three type of a pick. But those are guys I think they could have in their crosshairs. Oklahoma State's James Washington as well. These guys fit the profile of the type of receiver that the Giants would be looking for alongside Sterling Shepard and opposite Odell Beckham Jr. But I think wide receivers a couple rungs down on the hierarchy of need. I think it's offensive line, defensive line, secondary help. I think that's another position that they're going to have to zero in on. They can go a number of ways. Unfortunately for them, they have a number of picks to fill them. Yeah, well, unfortunately for them, too, they only have, like I said, they only have six picks and none after the fifth round. So that's why I fully expect, uh, you know, I'm putting my money on, I think Flowers will get traded here before the, if not before Thursday night, then before Friday. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Ryan, let's get our hierarchy of need out of the way. I just gave you mine in terms of how I rank the Giants' needs. What would be your top needs going into the weekend that the Giants have to fill between Thursday and Saturday? I think it's offensive line, defensive line, running back, offensive line again, wide receiver. Those would be my top five. And when I say offensive line twice, I mean tackle guard. You could put it in either direction. I would go. So again, I would go uh, defensive line, offensive line, defensive line, offensive line, running back, wide receiver, my five. That's fascinating. We both gave our needs and we didn't mention quarterback. And I I would make the argument that one of the more disappointing positions in Tuesday's practice was the play of both Eli Manning and Davis Webb. I thought Webb was a little bit sharper, still very inconsistent. Eli Manning looked every day of 37 years old. Um, If they don't go quarterback at two, which I think we both believe the pick is going to be Barkley or somebody else, unless it's Sam Darnold. What do you do? Because I think that the the drop-off between a Mason Rudolph, Kyle Lalletta, and the rest of this class is a pretty steep one. And I don't see the Giants investing a second or third round pick, which is what it would need to be to get someone like Mason Rudolph in the building. So if it's not a quarterback at two, I don't think it's a quarterback at all. I'm with you 100%. I I will. I I wrote today, and I will stand by this no matter what. It is completely illogical that if you're not going to pick Sam Darnold or you're not going to pick any quarterback at number two, to use any other pick on a quarterback is completely illogical. I don't care how high you have them rated. It makes no sense. You picked Davis Webb in the third round last year and know nothing about him. You gave him zero opportunity. So you're going to pick somebody whose stock is similar. And I know this regime didn't grade web whereas they're grading this class then you know that was the last class and who knows they might have never picked web or who knows they might have picked him in the second round but you, you you're going to tell me that to pick kyle laletta you you know for a fact he's better than davis webb that makes zero sense to me if you're not picking a quarterback at two then davis webb is your backup quarterback he's your quarterback of the future and you for go you. out and and uh, yeah, for for at least a year, probably I would say more than that. And then you, uh, and then you go out and you sign a veteran quarterback, um, a guy who would be who will push Webb hard to be the number two quarterback, but would be okay, isn't going to have hurt feelings if he's the number three quarterback, uh, who can help groom Webb, who knows he's Eli Manning's backup, and you know he's just there to push Davis Webb and get Davis Webb better. And I made a list this morning. I published it in nine guys. Uh, it was guys like Derek Anderson, uh, guys like uh, Kellen Clemens, guys who have been longtime backups in this league, who have starting experience, Scott, Scott Tolzien, guys who have starting experience, who understand their role on a team. Uh, Anderson's the guy who jumps off the page because he's been in Carolina the last six years where he, you know, obviously uh, helped, you know, played some role in Cam Newton's development and played for, Mike Shula, the Giants offensive coordinator and under Gettleman as GM. So Derek Anderson's the guy who if the Giants don't draft a quarterback, I fully expect they'll make a phone call to Derek Anderson and see if they can convince him to come here and be the number two slash three quarterback. All right, Ryan, last one before we go. What would surprise you the most about the Giants draft by weekend's end? Ooh, if they pick a quarterback who's not named Sam Darnold, if they pick Mayfield or Rosen or Allen, that will surprise me the most. 
I think that there'd be a major surprise and it would certainly signal a major smokescreen, even though Dave Gettleman vowed that he hasn't lied since he was 10 years old to us the other day. Um, the obvious yeah. reply to that is, well, then stop lying now, right? Um, <laughs> but but my biggest surprise would be if the Giants don't invest a pick in the first two rounds at the running back position, because well, while we agree that we think Barkley is the pick at number two, if they go with Darnold, if they go with Quentin Nelson or they trade back or they take Chubb or whatever other scenario plays out, it would shock me if the Giants don't land a premium pick at the running back position in this draft because I think it's very deep, but it's top heavy. You have guys like Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb out of Georgia, who I like a lot for different reasons. Sony Michelle, versatile guy, uh, dual threat, pass catcher. You can move him around kind of like you can Saquon. Nick Chubb, but between the tackles, bruiser can handle the workload of 25, 30 carries a game. Darius Guise might be the best pure runner in this class. They're all going to be available when they're on the clock in the second round. And I think that you would be doing your offense a real disservice with an opportunity to land one of these tremendous running back prospects with all of the talent in the passing game if you don't get one of them. So if they go in a different direction than Barkley at two, I'd be relatively floored if they don't come back on Friday night and take a running back in the second round. Interesting. I'll give you two guys if they if they floor you, if I have to pick you up off the floor, uh, two guys to look for at 66 or 69 in the third round are Naheem Himes, a guy Hines. Out, yep. out of North Carolina State. I think he'll yep. be there. He's a guy who's had contact with the Giants who they like. And another guy who's been in contact with the Giants, Rashad Penny, I love as a player from San Diego, San Diego State. State. A guy who can who, who, uh, was a nation-leading rusher and also catches the ball. Those are two guys you could – if I have to pick Matt up off the floor on uh, Thursday night after the second-round pick, those are two guys that – maybe he'll get on board with with the third round pick yep it's going to be a lot of fun ryan i really enjoyed this can't wait for it all to play out can't wait to recap it on next week after the draft is over and done um for everybody listening thank you for listening be sure to subscribe to us on itunes apple Podcasts, soundcloud spreaker stitcher google play give us a like on youtube if you like what you heard we really appreciate those five-star reviews and those comments in the itunes store in the apple podcast section give ryan a follow on on Twitter. He's at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Ryan, any parting thoughts? Yeah, just make sure you like us because we don't want to get taken over by Mike Francesa. (laughs) There you go. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This has been the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com.